Welcome. This podcast is an exploration into being human and what's possible when there's less attention on the noise in our heads. Warning. While listening to this broadcast, you may experience moments of deep peace, sighs of relief, personal insights, or long stretches of dead air. Do not be afraid. This is normal. Under the Noise with Wynne Morgan and Kate Roberts. Welcome to Under the Noise with me, Wynne Morgan, and Kate Roberts. Hi, Kate. Hi, Wynne. And our very special guest today, Elsie Spittle. Elsie is someone who I'd first heard about her impact with people from a very dear friend. And my friend, who I will name check, Veronique Pavetta, who loved her time with you on Salt Spring Island so much, and I thought, I have to do that someday. And um, I was very fortunate to then be able to do that. I think it's three years ago this month, on the time of recording. And I got more from that than I could have hoped for. In a, in a way that I didn't appreciate and until it happened really, that how gracefully that you would point to what I knew and had forgotten as opposed to what I needed to know or needed to learn. I will always treasure that time and the times that, you know, we've bumped into each other either in in person or virtually since so. I'll start there, Elsie. Thank you. For those who don't know you, Elsie, how would you introduce yourself to them? I, uh... <laughs> That's hard. You know, it really is hard to introduce oneself. I, I just am an ordinary uh, homemaker who, who found how to be happy after years of depression, after years of noise, um, which was normal to me. The noise was normal. The depression was something that I didn't have a word for. You know, I just... Uh, didn't feel good, was unhappy. And um, and then I, I met a man who was a, a, a workmate of my husband's. And um, he was just an ordinary Joe, a welder in a pulp mill that had a profound experience that... Um, really took me aback, to say the least. I, I didn't know what to do with him because I saw a man who also had been insecure and at times depressed. And after this profound insight, he found a whole new life, a whole new world for himself, within himself. It, it wasn't something that he did uh, there were no techniques that he used uh, 
He was not a reader as such. As a matter of fact, when he uh, tried to borrow a book from a, a fellow co-worker at the pulp mill he was working with, his friend said to him, oh no, Sid, this, this book is you know beyond you, you wouldn't get it. And yet Sid was curious and uh, did read that book. But it was his experience of happiness and well-being that, that touched my soul, but really, really disturbed my intellect. Um, there was so much noise in my mind. I, in the day, you know, because I also felt like I was riding on empty. And, and so I would look for more noise to fill the emptiness. And one of the things where I would get a feeling inside would be I would scare myself. I would read scary books. I'd go to scary movies. And, and so then I would feel something, I would feel fear. So I wouldn't feel empty, I'd feel fear. And then there were times where um, I would get angry. And that also was like a feeling that made me feel not empty. So it was the opposite of well-being and, um, and the opposite of happiness. You know, fear and happiness, they don't go hand in hand. And so it's interesting because with all that noise, I still felt bored, even though the noise kind of filled me up. It didn't fill me up. Like it didn't fill me up with anything that was meaningful or fruitful. And, and so I was still feeling empty, but at least there was some kind of feeling going on. And, and then that man <laughs> had that experience that showed me, and I felt his well-being, not knowing that in reality, it was my well-being that I was feeling. I attributed that little glimmer of happiness that I was getting now and then when I was around our friend and his wife. I attributed it to, to his well-being after he'd had this experience. I didn't know it was coming from me, mm. even though when I would say something about gosh said, you know, we sure enjoy being around you. So long as you don't tell me what you found in, in your, in your epiphany, don't talk to me about it, but we do like being around you. And, and he would smile this rather enigmatic smile as if he knew something I didn't, <laughs> which was true. And, and so he would say to me, it's your feeling, Elsie. It's, it's really got nothing to do with me. You know, you're feeling what he called uh, our true nature. What does that mean? Like, 
who knows about true nature. I'd never heard such a thing. And so that, that was my first glimmer of the possibility of happiness, being in contact with someone who was living in happiness much of the time. It's contagious. Happiness is contagious, just like fear is, you know, because we're using the same power. It's just our choice. Where do we want to live? Do we want to live in fear and depression or do we want to live in well-being? But I didn't know I had a choice because it was all about the noise of anger and depression and unhappiness. You know, one of the things that really continues to, that I marvel at, I'll say, use that word, is that we don't have to understand um, these natural gifts that we're born with, like innate mental health. We don't have to understand that. We don't have to analyze it. But we can still benefit from it, even if we just consider the possibility that all of humanity is born with these innate gifts, innate wisdom that doesn't depend on experience or age. It's something we're born with. And happiness is something we're born with. That's our natural, um, how can you say it? It's our natural being, happiness. But I didn't know that. Even though I experienced it from time to time, I'd slip into it. And then it was gone. I never ever realized that if a person can slip into happiness from time to time, that must mean something. It, it took a long, long time to realize that the ability to feel happiness occasionally was evidence that it was there. You know, because the happiness wasn't coming necessarily from my environment. Uh, I could just be sitting on the patio, you know, just enjoying what's under the noise. Moments of quiet, of peace. And then you had said earlier when we talked for a few minutes before we started, um, you know, after the weekend we had had with some other people online, how much more vibrant life was to you, you know, for you personally, when and also in your exchange with clients and others and, and just feeling your feeling, Kate, when I asked you what inspired the title Under the Noise, 
when you talked about it, there was such a feeling of depth coming from you. And I'm sure those that are listening to this podcast and other guests that you've had on, you know, get a feeling, but perhaps don't know that it's, it's theirs, it's permanent. It's evidence that if you felt it once, it's available all the time, whether you understand how it works or even where it comes from. But if you just consider that, that feeling of peace and harmony and glimmers of happiness, well-being, is, is our birthright. I never knew that. What I remember as I'm listening to you is I used to think the opposite was true for me. I thought miserable was my birthright because I'd felt it so often and my seriousness, even as a very young child, I thought that that was my nature. Mm. I did not know how mistaken I was for a very long time. Well into my 40s. Yeah. Before I realized the opposite was true that what you just suggested gently and slowly and with a lot of resistance from me actually I was able to see more and more maybe I'd had it wrong yeah. and more and more kind of just seeing how I truly was, not how I thought I was. Mm. And again, beyond the me, beyond the personal, that that was really evidently true about everyone else other than me. And then I figured out that, well, the likelihood of that being true was very slim, that I would be the exception. So then I kind of thought, wait a minute, I've got that wrong too. Hmm. Which wow. is a blessing to be so wrong. <laughs> it's quite a journey. Yeah. That, uh, you know, I don't know your background or how you came into understanding your your innate birthright, your innate wisdom, Kate, but your, the depth of your feeling of your quiet tells me more than your words. And, and yet quiet as a child, I can remember um, we lived on a farm. I was born on a farm. And um, we lived 15 miles away from the small town where we would go to do various errands and whatnot. And uh, sometimes when I would, I was the youngest in our family and my mom and dad would take me into town with them and I'd be sitting in the back seat and they were just very quiet. They, they didn't speak much on that 15 mile drive into town. And as a child of say seven or eight, uh, it was awkward. You know, I wasn't comfortable in that 
silence. It was like, I wish they'd turn the radio on. And I would ask them even to turn the radio on, but they wanted the quiet. And I didn't realize again until years later that they were in survival mode in terms of the era at that time, you know, the, uh, the 50s, the very early 50s, that they were still struggling to survive after the depression and the Second World War ending in 1945. So for them, it was a matter of survival. And, and they were so busy on the farm working to survive, um, that quiet then for them, that I don't think they realized, but it was solace for them, under the noise for them, under their noise of surviving in the world on the farm, uh, having enough to feed five children and themselves. And so, you know, when I look back at it, they knew nothing about being born with innate mental health or wisdom or anything like that. Uh, they didn't even really have like a faith or a religion at that point. It wasn't until later when they left the farm and moved into town and they were close then to churches that they started to go, you know, to a church. And yet naturally, they, they moved into quiet, peace, amidst the noise of their striving to survive. And when I look back at that now, it's such evidence, again, of whether we know anything about this so-called understanding that uh, they were drawn to, to quiet. They didn't want the noise of music on the radio as I did as a child. And yet at the same time as a child, when I was really on my own and the rest of my siblings were busy on the farm working and driving the tractor and haying whatever chores they needed to do to help out. And I was on my own. That was my job was to be on my own as a, as a youngster. And, um, and I would enjoy playing on my own and being on my own. Like I enjoyed the quiet and the peace of nature at that point, but I also didn't know what it was. I didn't know that nature surrounding us had anything really to offer me, although I was experiencing it. Mm. I was experiencing the beauty of nature but I didn't make a connection. Do you know what I'm saying? And I think that's really something that people could look at and see how wise they are naturally because of those glimmers they have or their love of nature or their love of peace. Even if it's a glimmer or a moment of peace to honor that, to honor what's under the noise rather than what we typically do is we honor the noise as I did. When I would read more scary books and go to more scary movies, I honored the noise. I didn't honor those rare moments 
of happiness, those rare glimmers of happiness with my family. I remember doing um, a day-long program when I was living in the States for an online shopping organization. And uh, a management consultant that I knew had done some work with them before, but he thought it would be interesting to, to have me come in and um, do a more in-depth program with them. And they were agreeable, so I went in. But I didn't think to uh, do an introduction about the quiet, as you mentioned to me before, Kate, you know, that you, you share a little bit of a caution to people about if there's quiet mm -hmm. in these calls, you know, that that's quite all right. I didn't think to do that with the group. And it was just before lunch, you know, after spending a couple of hours having a break and then a little bit more time. And I just fell quiet into this really deep space of just gra quiet gratitude for being invited to work with this group that really didn't know very much about the principles, the background of our work, and yet were willing to um, engage with me. And so I'm just in this stillness for a few minutes. And finally, um, the head of the department was looking around and I could see there was a little bit of restlessness because at first the group joined me in the quiet and then they got restless and started to stir. And so the woman starts looking around and she finally says to me, are you okay, Elsie? And she was concerned. She said, are you okay? And I said, yes, yes, I'm fine. I just, you know, I'm quiet, feeling gratitude. And she said, oh, she said, I, I wondered if you lost your thought or, you know, lost your way and you had nothing else to share with us. And, and I said, no, I said, it was just sometimes this quiet comes when you, you know, when you go deep and you're just still. And it's a beautiful thing to enjoy. And she said, it would have been nice if you had alerted us to that. <laughs> <laughs> and it was a good lesson. You know, it was a really good lesson. We had a previous guest who was sharing um, that experience in working with businesses. And to begin with, he said, well, it was the thing that they hated the most was how quiet, low-key, slow everything was. And then really quickly... It's what they love the most. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I've actually loved that about the quiet this pandemic has offered us, mm. you know, has offered the world. I, I know I, I'm not being flippant. I, I know there's been so much tragedy and so on and so forth as well. But I also, as I know you too, have seen how it, especially in the early days where the air got clean because planes weren't flying and cars weren't driving and, and things like that, you know, where there were, I think, dolphins 
in the Venice Canal in Venice in Italy, you know, how Mother Nature took over during this crisis and, and helped clean the world. In essence, forced people to stay at home. And hopefully, the people found stillness. I think for the most part, many did, because even now here in Canada and on our little island of Salt Spring, uh, there's, there's still a quieter feeling. And, and Salt Springs always had sort of an island feeling to it that sometimes during the winter it gets too quiet and people can't take it. People that have moved here, say from Vancouver, like a big city or from Toronto, uh, they love the summer when there's three times the population, but in the winter when it gets really still and there's very little traffic and the, the streets are empty, like by 7.30 or 8 o'clock in the evening, you know, that's it. Uh, oftentimes people move, leave the island in the winter. They can't take the stillness, the quiet. And, and people here, like in Canada, it, they're looking for staff. A lot of people are finding other work because they were laid off from the hospitality industry and, and so on and so forth. And they had to find other ways to support themselves. They got some subsidies from the government and so on. Um, but it forced them to find other ways of supporting themselves from home, developing new business. Like, you know how you mentioned coming out of your yoga class and the, the stillness that you found, Kate. Mm -hmm. And it led to doing this podcast. Well, how many people have done that? That they have found ways. I, I have a new client from the UK that in the early days that he couldn't go back into his corporate job and he started an online e-coffee service where people could order the special coffee from him. And, and, you know, got quite successful at that. And so, you know, more people found ways to be at home and enjoying being with their family. And, and this creativity came from inside. That's the gift of innate mental health. That so often these insights come to us, but we don't know where they come from. And so we think, well, it's just like one of a kind. We may never get them again. That's the beauty of knowing that we're born with innate mental health and creativity. We're born with it. It's not just like by happenstance that these ideas come to us. You know, that is amazing. That's a marvel to me to know that during what is considered like one of the worst crises in, in the world with this pandemic, good is coming from it. You know, a whole new way of looking at who we are and what we can do. That's a marvel. 
It is. It opens up something, I think, in different areas, like you said about Mother Nature and things in business that we didn't see yet as being possible. Like when your friend Sid had that experience and being around him, seeing for yourself that that kind of happiness and joy and peace is possible by being around him. It opens up a possibility for you. And it, it's like the kind of the down to earth enjoyment of life. That it's, it's not necessarily about teaching or uh, sharing words. It's about being with someone. And sometimes that's all it takes is just being with someone that like Sid, Sid's being wakening my being and mm -hmm. my, my happiness. And when I may have shared this story with you, but I'll share it again, if I may, I uh, was asked by a, a longtime friend who was very concerned about a buddy of his who um, the buddy and his wife had lost their adult daughter, had died suddenly for no reason. They didn't know what had happened. She just had passed away in bed. Um, there had been no prior illness. She was athletic and healthy and everything else, but she died. And um, the father in particular, like the mother had her grief and so on, and, and the father as well. But after about three or four months, the mother was coming to some sort of peace in regard to having had her daughter for 25 years mm. and appreciating that. Now, she didn't know anything about these three principles that I'm introducing here. And I know you two have talked about it also in your podcasts. Um, but she just naturally went to, she didn't want to experience that grief, that pull. And, and she just naturally moved into celebrating that she'd had 25 years with her daughter, naturally moved into this. The husband, the father could not. He was so gripped by his thoughts of grief that he could not let go. And so his friend that called me and said, look at Elsie, I've tried everything. I've given him Sid's books and recordings. It's not helping him. The words, the feeling that Sid comes from is just not reaching him. Would you consider talking with him? And I was still for a few moments. And then it came to me. I said, yes, I'll talk to him if he will call me so that you're not the middleman, it would, it's important for your friend to reach out to me. If he does that, 
100%. I'd be honored to talk with him. And, and so my friend said, okay, I'll talk to him. And he talked to him. And the man, bless his heart, the grief-ridden father called me. And I, I listened to him, you know, he, I said, you know, tell me a little bit about yourself and what's going on in your life. And for about 15 minutes, he just poured out his grief. And I, I listened and I listened and my heart just, you know, swelled with empathy, not with grief. I didn't take on his grief. My heart filled with love for him. And, and then finally, I, he paused for a moment and I said, okay, I, I've never lost a child. I don't know what you're going through. I, you know, I feel for you. Is it okay with you if we change gears? And he said, okay, you know, I don't know what you mean by that. And I said, well, as you were sharing your grief, I also heard some wisdom. He said, what? And I said, I heard little nuggets of wisdom as you were sharing your grief. And he said, what do you mean? And I said, well, just reflect for a moment. Is there anything that comes to mind when you shared something positive mixed in your grief? And he said, no. And I said, well, you told me how wonderful your wife has been in, in supporting you as you've been going through this. For you to say how wonderful your wife is tells me something. Like how could you see how wonderful she is if that wasn't coming from something deep inside of you? Like even in the midst of your grief, you saw how wonderful your wife was. And he paused. Like, yeah, but that's really nothing, he said. That's really nothing. And then I said, okay, here's another one. You also mentioned how touched you were by your friend, the one who connected us. Like, how could you be touched by your friend if that didn't come from inside something deeper in you? And again, he paused. So I knew something was ticking. And then he moved back to no. Yeah, that's, that just, that comes and goes. That doesn't mean anything. That just comes and goes. I'm telling you, like I, I've had suicidal thoughts because of my daughter passing. I, I just can't bear this anymore. And I said, the last thing I want to say to you is the fact that you had the courage to call me, that you reached out, your courage, your strength in reaching out. If that's not wisdom, I don't know what is. And he paused a little bit longer this time. And then he was just about to jump in, back into his grief. And I said, let's just stop here now. I, I, I just want you to
go off the phone and just honor those three little nuggets of wisdom that came from you. Just sit with that the best you can with your wisdom. And, and if you want, we'll talk again. Just let me know. And a few days later, his friend again called me and said, I don't know, you know, he, he just comes and he goes, he comes and he goes. Would you consider coming down here and, and working with him and his wife and some of the relatives just for a couple of days, spending some time with us all? And I said, yes, I would, if he's willing and his wife is willing. And again, he needs to ask me, invite me. And that happened. I, I went to his, his town several hours away and um, his friend was an ardent golfer and had rented out the community hall there in the golf course. And so we met there. And the first morning, um, you know, once we'd had cuddles and hugs and things like this, I, uh, I started to teach and uh, to share a little bit of my journey and so on and so forth. And it just wasn't flying, you know, there just wasn't a feeling happening. This continued off and on for the morning. I played Sid's tape, nothing, zip, zero. Um, during the break, I ended up uh, playing pool. There was a pool table in the community center and I ended up playing pool. I don't know how to play pool, but I was just kind of, you know, joking around with my buddy, my friend. And all of a sudden, this grief-stricken father comes over, and I can see his face is lighter, like he's interested. And he sees the ball flying off the table and all kinds of things, and he thinks that's kind of funny. <laughs> and, and there's even like a bit of a smile lifts up his corner of his mouth. And I thought, that's curious, interesting. And, um, and then we go back and I teach a little more and I've lost him. He's gone. Uh, we end for lunch and I say, would you like to go for lunch? You and your wife come to for lunch? No, but too much. Okay. After lunch, I'm thinking what, what to do? Like, how can I reach this soul? And I didn't know. And then it struck me, it was such a beautiful day out and the grounds of the golf course were so beautiful. It occurred to me to go for a ride in the golf cart with this friend, you know, with the grief stricken father. And I suggested to the other buddy that he take the wife and we go for a ride and just let the other ones play pool. And so I said to my friend, like, can we do that? Is that okay to, to get the golf cart and off we go? And he said, absolutely. And so um, my friend gets in with the wife and he takes off. And I don't know how to start the golf cart. And I say to my, the father, like, can you start this? And he said, you don't know how? And I said, no. And he said, well, I thought you knew everything. And I said, no, I, I don't. Like, do you know how to start the golf cart? So he gets in, he starts, and he's, 
it's like he's, you know, like feeling this, like there's something there because he's in charge now and I don't know. And he does. So off we go. And I can see he's lightened up a little bit. I'm not talking. I'm not teaching. We're just enjoying nature. And then ahead of us, the wife and our, our mutual friend stop because it turns out that this bridge that they're going to go over can only hold the golf cart and one person. And so the, the friend who sometimes can be a bit of a space cadet, so he drives over the, the bridge and forgets about the wife. And so there he takes off and the wife is hollering and waving like, wait for me, wait for me. And all of a sudden, the father and myself, we're howling with laughter. We're just howling as we see our mutual friend taking off and the wife running after him. I'd reached him. Mother Nature had reached him. The laughter had reached him. Not teaching, you know, not trying to help, just being together in a moment of hilarity. That was the best out of the whole two days that I spent with them. And I, you know, the next day I went back in again. And I could see once again that, you know, he'd gotten back into his grief again. And we just hung out. I did, you know, we were supposed to be there for a whole other day, but we just hung out in the morning um, and just enjoyed being together under the noise of his grief. You know, uh, I'll never forget that. That to me was one of the most profound times of being under the noise, you know, being heart to heart, laughter to laughter with someone that could take a soul out of such profound grief. You know, I've worked with people who have lost. Uh, spouses or family members through suicide, through uh, cancer and other uh, trauma. I've gone through it with my husband who had been diagnosed with cancer a decade ago, stage four, with Sid, who uh, ultimately passed from cancer, but I saw that they were more than their disease. And, and even with those that had passed through suicide, to be able to help those that were left behind know that it doesn't matter how they passed, they went home. You know, ultimately, whatever manner of leaving this world, they went home to where there is safety and pure energy, pure peace, pure love. And 
and I've seen I've seen their faces change because they found hope. You know, uh, that no matter how we leave this planet, we go home. And that is something also to cherish and hold close to our hearts, particularly again during this time where there has been a lot of passing and they've gone home. It's those of us left behind sometimes, you know, that have that grief as the father did. But in a moment of being one with nature in that golf course, in a moment of spontaneous laughter, that there could be laughter that came from that deep place within us. You know, the ability to see that we're more than our disguise, whatever our disguise is, we're something more. And it's that something more that I would love for people to be curious about. That those that are listening that may think, me too? Do I have more? Am I enough just the way I am? What if there really is an answer inside of me that I don't have to depend on anybody or anything, that I'm my own best friend? I don't know in what way, but that's really struck me, that last comment that I am my own best friend. Well, I've really, I don't know where the time has gone. <laughs> it's been like magic. But well, I, thank you so much for being here with us today. Thank you so much for inviting me. I really appreciate this opportunity to get quiet with you both and, and with your audience. We appreciate you. Thank you, Elsie. Thank you. You've been listening to Under the Noise. If you have questions for when or for me, um, please email us. The details are after or below if you're watching on YouTube. And today we've been joined by Ms. Elsie Spittle. Thanks again, Elsie. Okay. Thank you both. Thanks for joining us. We'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and review. If you have a topic or question that you'd like us to chat about, email Wynn or Kate at win at winning.co.uk and kate at katerobertscoaching.com. Until then, enjoy what's possible under the noise.